Welcome to This Is Life. All right, guys, we're going to jump in to the continuation of my uh, incredible discussion I had with Jessica. Um, I'm going to make this real short. Uh, I left way too long of an intro last week after hearing it again. I'm like, meh, let's not do that again. Uh, you, you guys already hear enough of me during the the, uh, the show. You don't need to hear my super long intro. Uh, so I'll just make this real quick before we jump in today. Uh, head on over to, if you would mind, to uh, the iTunes podcast and leave us a review. I know I said that every week. And I had a buddy of mine who actually said, hey, Sean, uh, I want to tell you I'm listening and how I feel about the show, but I don't know how. So I, we opened up his phone, went to the podcast app on his iPhone, uh, searched for the, 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 the show, This Is Life. Uh, I think if you even auto-populate, uh, if you don't know the whole title, the whole title is This Is Life with Sean Johnson. That's going to take you to the show's page. You can scroll down to the very bottom past all the episodes, and you'll see there where you can actually do the ratings, and I think it even says a little button you can tap to say leave a review so for those of you who have been desiring and wanting to do that uh, again i appreciate that and so much it helps us to really let apple know that the, that the show is is getting a, an audience and people want to hear it and share it with others so hopefully that's the case if you, if you have been blessed by what you hear and you want to just let people know about it that's really the best way uh, the other things you can do is go to this is lifepod.com and you can actually leave comments on the website there on each different episodes if you want to use or if you want specific episodes you want to comment on so these all these things just kind of really again not only do they help me just know that there's out there listening because again all i see is just the numbers coming in of how many listens per week but you know i i really enjoy having just that communication with all of you so anyway again i'm not going to talk too much longer uh this is going to be just the second part of an interview uh, we're doing with jessica now it's a continuation uh there's still much much more to say even after the next hour uh but i really pray that this that the story has just inspired you it, it's a tough story to tell anytime you're talking about a child specifically who uh, was suffering cancer and then of course the family that was suffering alongside in their own way um it's difficult to listen to but it's so worth it because, you know, it just shows just the power that we all have when we have just love motivating us and, and we want the best for our children. And even when faced with unsurmountable odds, things that are just coming against us, just hearing Jessica talk, you can just hear just that just that she desired so much for her child. And, and even though it was dealt this awful blow, it wasn't, there was no give up. They're going to keep fighting. So you'll hear about more about that today and the second part of my interview with Jessica. So God bless you guys. Here we go. Uh, part two. Okay, so now that we've kind of understood, in how 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 many years? Like, was this, when did she go through the chemo altogether? Like, when did they? Okay, let's so kind of, I mean, let's just kind of like we can kind of fulfill right any gaps. I mean, because yeah. I, I hate to I hate to trivialize it because it was a long three years or more. Of just continual fight. I mean, actually, let's talk about. It wasn't actually no, a continual fight. That's true. Let's talk about that. So she went through chemo for about nine months or so, um, chemo and radiation because they had to, you know, radiate her lung since the chemo, the chemo, the cancer had um, trans traveled to her lung. Um, so she went through that for about nine months, and at the end of nine months, we were cleared. cleared. She was considered cancer free. How do they determine that? Cancer-free. They did blood work. They did CT scans. There was nothing showing anywhere. Everything yeah. looked clear. Everything looked good. We had done the whole, 
um, you know, the protocol for for her stage four cancer, um, and she was cleared. She was she was cancer free. And that was probably the best sleep you'd gotten in almost a year. It was fantastic, yeah. but. Once you're a cancer parent, you're never not a cancer parent. Right. And I mean, that was made clear to us from the beginning that this would be a lifelong journey. It's it doesn't it doesn't end even at the your child is cancer free. It's not over. It's because never. Is that, is that because just her body has a, is, is genetically designed to create this the, the, this foreign body in, or foreign entity in her body. Right. Once, once you have cancer, I mean, and because of the chemo and everything that she went through, she was at risk for secondary cancers caused by the chemo. I mean, you don't. So not so. So basically, what you're saying is that even though she was cancer free of the original diagnosis. That doesn't mean that there's that the all the other library books of cancer right. aren't going to now be on her as right. well. Right, as well as heart disease and infertility and a whole bunch of issues that you don't even realize become an issue until you've gone through it. But at this point, she was she was cleared, and so we would have to go back every three months to do scans and blood work and make sure that it was still cleared because it could come back at any point. All right. So I guess kind of like, you know, we discussed how she was super young, you know, she didn't, you, when you, when this first diagnosis, there wasn't really a conversation you could have with her to where she would comprehend it. You just basically had to be like, baby, we got to go to the doctor. They're going to help you feel better. You know, mommy and mommy, daddy and CJ are going to be here with you, all that stuff. Right. And then now all of a sudden, You've got this understanding that you know that it's good news with the quotations on the end of it, right? Right. That this is good news for now, but we have the potential of we have just to be aware of other circumstances. How much do you tell Ari at this point? Because you don't want to you don't want to give her a sense of of we're all, all, all we're good, no more problems. We don't have to go back to the doctor unless you're you know have a unless you have a cold. You'll be a normal kid again, basically, you know, because you don't because you still want her to understand that this is a possibility. It may have to revisit it. Well, I think I don't know if we ever like necessarily had a sit down conversation about it, but we did. You know, we had a like a little celebration for her birthday that year because it was for her fifth birthday because we were so excited and, you know, no no more cancer and hopefully that's good news. But we don't we didn't ever give her like the you're totally done kind of impression because we just didn't know. But for the time being it was Yay, we we don't have to go back and have chemo. And we can be happy. And I think we just basically tried to live our lives to just live our lives. Right. So you're right. So at this point, well, I mean, yes, we can celebrate. There's, you know, we we have, you know, we can can breathe a little. We can now, you know, hope again. I think you're right. For a little while, there's this like... Because you're so laser focused on getting her better, it's hard to see anything else. Right. You just because it's like there's not it's like everything else at this point is is just is is bonus. Right. You know, uh, you know because I have to have some sort of motivation in life. So I think that that's one thing I guess I need to ask before we kind of move on, is how how 
uh, how were you able to, what was your sustaining force? I mean, was it purely just the, I mean, I'm talking about you as a mother, you as a person, because you are, you, you are human after all. And, and you're going to have moments of, I mean, yes, there's just that you don't have any other choice, but what, but was it, what was your source? However, strength, like, how did you during that time stay strong for your child? <laughs> Well, probably a lot of God, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, as well as I have a really good support system. I have my family that is wonderful and great at supporting and the best friends. I mean, you guys. Oh, thank you. You guys were. Well, that's the thing. Rachel and I, we would discuss a lot. I mean, like, I feel like we, I wanted to do so much more. You know, I was, because this is by no means... You, 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 and Chris are his dad, and TJ, your husband. You guys, you had to go through this literally the toughest part of your life. So I never, ever, I'm not trying to compare, but no means. But there were definitely times I'm just like, I don't know what, I don't know what else we can do because I was literally sitting there like, just like you did, like you just wanted to take this away from Aria, right? You just right. want, you don't want ever her to ever have to feel this pain anymore, go through this anymore, suffering, but literally you're sitting there and there's nothing you can do. And that's one thing, I, you know, I think that we, just being present, that's what Rachel and I yes. finally decided that the absolute best thing we can do is not offer advice, you know, not offer counsel, not just, but, you know, yeah, we, you know, if, if you need to go, if you need to have a place to can just come and talk or vent, that's fine. But truly, the best thing that we can do is just be present. Yes. And I think that, that a lot of people forget that. A lot of people that think that they have to have some sort of, if they want to help somebody who's going through a difficult situation, really the thing that that person needs the most is just for you to be available. Right. And to be just supportive. I mean, and it's more than if you need me, give me a call. It's you kind of have to force yourself in there. And even if the person doesn't seem like they need you at the time, force yourself in there. Be yeah. a friend. Be an active Just show friend. up. And, and Just show up. Right. Because I know for me, it's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. And the whole time, you know, the whole world is Because people say that. Like, well, shoulders. call me when you need something. But you, you literally. That doesn't the, mean anything. Right. Because literally the only thing you need is for your daughter to be better. Right. So call me when you, call me when you have a cure for my daughter's cancer. Right. But other than that. Just be there for me. Right. It doesn't. Right. That does. That line doesn't mean anything. Right. To let me know if you need me. It doesn't mean anything. Uh, right. You. You need to force yourself in there. So if there's anybody listening who has somebody going through something like this, or right. you know whatever, or maybe even had just a recent loss. Right. Just be an active friend, even if the person's not asking for it. Be like, hey, you know, how are you today? Right. Just just to have a conversation. Be interested and be accessible. Right. And, and I think that we, we, you're right. I think that the, we, <laughs> we tend to overcomplicate matters of hum, of, human, of humanity and, and relationship with people. Now, okay, so let's kind of take me to that moment where, does she, does she go in for a scan? Or how did you, how, what was the appointment like that you found out that she was clear? Oh my goodness. For that she was clear? Right. Uh, well, that wasn't as dramatic of an appointment as you might think. I mean, because it was a scheduled chemo. And it was basically, you're going to go in for this chemo, and that will be your last chemo. Like... And we went in. Oh, we got so, our so there chemo. was already planned out, like yes. So, so even at the very beginning, nine months prior, would have you, there was a diet, like there was a, a planned, 
attack. You know, yes. there was basically a, this is what we're going to do. This is how schedule. It's go. This is how it's happened for other people. Right. This is the and protocol. We're going to follow these instructions. This is what we're going to do. Gotcha. And so before we, there was no like set appointment. This is hey, yay, you're done. It was more like we've been checking. We're not seeing anything. <laughs> She's clear. This is her last chemo. And that's pretty much it. So, I mean, okay. we did her last chemo. We went and got cupcakes afterwards. And, you know, that that was the end of that. And then we start the regular scans. Right. And that was, what, every three months? Every three uh, months. Uh, initially? Yes. All right. So, the, so, the, so three months later, uh, was there any nerves going into the first scan? Oh, absolutely. Total fear and on the edge of your seat. And frightening. We were absolutely scared to death of what we were going to find out. But the first scan was good. First scan was clear. Yay, we can... Did they find anything at all? Nothing. Nothing. Total, complete internal celebration. And so we had a conversation about having her port removed. Because after six months of being cancer-free, they can take out her port. Um, and I remember that. And I remember, like, even leading up to the second scan, that that was the discussion. Yeah. Was, hey, we're, we're X amount of, t- of days until we can get this port out of Right. Her. And the, the fantastic thing about having the port taken out is that we no longer have to worry about fevers. Right. She could truly be a normal kid again to some degree once the port is out. Because as long as there was a port in her... Even after she was cancer-free, if she got a fever, we still had to go to the hospital. Right. Because it's a foreign body inside of her, and any fever could mean infection of the port or right. anything. And once that was out, it was just a normal kid. She could take medicine, and things could be normal, and life could, you know, move on. And so we went back three months later. She was cleared again. So she, we scheduled her appointment to have her port removed. They took it out. Celebration. Um, they actually let me keep it. Wow. <laughs> Which was really cool. Yeah, because um, it's, it's a trophy almost. Yeah. Like, hey, a hey, memento. We, 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 we fought. We had cancer. All those tears and fears and all of these things are... Or go our way. And of course, I'm kind of bearing the lead here because all of a sudden, what happened the next appointment? The next three months went by. We went in, and honestly, I truly expected it to be a good appointment as well. We, Why would you have any kind of expectation otherwise? Right. No. She was doing fine. Everything was good. And so we truly thought that um, she was just going to be good like it was going to be fine and i knew almost immediately that something was wrong was that just a premonition or like something that just in your gut no no i knew because our oncologist was fantastically wonderful and she never broke bad news to us in front of aria other than that initial appointment where obviously we were in the same room. room and everything other than that, she would always give me the bad news, you know, without Aria being in the room. And so she had her stuff, and we got sent to our room to talk about, you know, the findings and everything. And 
the child life specialist came and she said, Aria, why don't you go no. go follow them? Go play with them. And Aria loved them, so of right. course she runs off to play Let's with them. Let's go play with her, yeah. And she says, Jessica, you come in here and we'll talk. Yeah, and at that point the clouds start coming in, huh? And I knew, yeah. and sh- I sit down, and I was alone at the, this appointment because well, it was yeah, just a regular right. appointment. I, I wasn't, we weren't expecting anything. So, yeah, so the, this is what, how, how, how many months after the all clear, the original? Nine record? months. So nine months, you've had nine months of freedom as it were i mean it's kind of like i kind of like and it's like the eye of a hurricane right you go through the first bad right you know where it's just winds and tornadoes and hail and all of the rain and all of the 150 mile an hour winds all of a sudden it just becomes clear right and if you were to look straight up in the sky everything looks like it's beautiful fine and beautiful until the other side of the wall hits and now you're getting hit from other different directions yep and we were back, and she tells me, you know, it's back. And, of course, I'm crying again because that's, like, the worst news. And she says, this isn't hopeless. There is a protocol for if it comes back. Um, but, and, you know, I'm, I kind of had to have an idea of just how successful this was going to be. Okay, so let's kind of like back up a little bit because I think there might be a question in people's minds that we didn't, we didn't really address this earlier in the, in the episode. Why didn't... Why did they have to have chemotherapy and go through all of that grueling processes when it was... The tumor itself was removed initially? Because there was also cancer in her lung, and they want to ensure that there is no trace. Because even though you can have the tumor removed, that does not necessarily mean that there's no traces of the cancer still remaining in the body. Like, that have traveled or that are... Spreading. In other places. Yeah, exactly. So you have to have the chemo to basically kill any trace of cancer that might potentially be left. And there was some apparently left um, in her lungs because this time when she was re-diagnosed, it's same cancer, but it was back in her lung. Not because, you know, her kidney's gone, but it is in her lung now. And so now we are at a 50-50 chance of survival. So we went from a 90% chance to now... We're a fifty percent to a fifty percent chance of survival, and I mean, think about that. I mean, if somebody, if you were getting on a plane, and they said, "Hey, by the way, there's a fifty percent chance that this plane will crash." Would you want to get on no, that plane? You don't get on that. Plane. You don't get on that plane. I mean, unfortunately, though, at this time, the only option is to get on the plane. Yeah. There's no and like. It's either that we either get on the plane and we fight hard, or we just give up and let it nature take its course right and you know that may be and I, I i use this word very lightly and i don't i can't for lack of a better word that may be a less difficult decision for somebody who's in the 70s 80s 90s right but we're talking about somebody who's now five years old yeah you fight you yeah there's no other choice there's no other choice especially as a parent you're like we're, we're gonna do this we did it once we put up our bootstraps we we're gonna do it again we can do you know we we, we, hit, we endured it and i have a little bit i have a little bit and know what to expect now we're just gonna go and well, it's fine right we did it once already we beat it once we can beat it we again. can beat it again don't tell me the odds, you know. Right. Let's just, let's just do Except it. Except that I wanted to know the odds, right. which was just, I mean, 
not hopeful, but I mean, it did at least give us hope. I mean, at least there was, we were certain that that she was going to be in the winning fifty percent of that. Right. I mean, we we just we just well, there was it. no other way to think about it. No, at this point, you know, being as you said, you know, a, a cancer parent. You had to have met other parents and other people who were going through other stages of this experience and other stuff. Kind of tell me what that was like. Like what was what was because obviously your support system between your friends and the doctors and nurses and your family. But tell me about your newfound relationship with a group of people whom you never ever would have ever met any other time other than this kind of circumstance it's it's the club that nobody wants to be a part of yeah like truly that's that's what it is but honestly without the other people in that club you would be lost i mean it it was as as small as it may have been you know to other people it was a huge thing to me when um, um, another mother of a child with cancer reached out to me and you know she's like let's go have coffee and we'll talk and I went and I met her and wow that was truly I was so grateful for that not just because of the kindness but to just have somebody who understood yeah because it's one thing to be like I I know what you're going through but if they really don't know what you're going through it just sounds annoying right and (laughs) and nobody does nobody you can't you can't know even people in the closest of situations cannot ever truly understand unless it is your child right who you are you know fighting for Right. You, you just don't know. And I didn't know at that point. People, I was, I could say I was blind to the world of pediatric cancer up until it hit me. You don't think that that's ever going to be you no. until it is. And as, through this whole process, I have met and come in contact with so many other parents who are going through the same or similar situations and I would have never even known if it was not for this happening to my own child right and the people in my life I mean like you guys you probably wouldn't have even known of any other cases because Unfortunately, it's just not well known enough, which is why I really wanted to be one of the people that came and talked to you because people need to know this exists. You cannot just turn a blind eye to it. To pediatric, pediatric, to pediatric cancer. It exists. Children are dying. Right. It's, the, it's the true monster in the closet. And yeah. no one is immune to this. No one. Yeah, cancer does not discriminate. No, not at all. And for people to just turn a blind eye as if it's not there is wrong. Why do you think that society does that? It's just because it's so... I mean, you, you, I get when you think of cancer, generally you think of somebody who smoked two packs a day all their life. Right. Or, you know, you... Th- or, or you think of, um, you know, brain cancer in an, in an 80-year-old. Right. Generally, you think of cancer, your first thought is not a five or six, you know, little bald-headed, beautiful boy or girl who right. is fighting for their life. I mean, you, 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 you I think, and sometimes I think that, you know, I, I love agencies like St. Jude's and Children's Mercy and other organizations that their whole life's mission is to take care of, of children. 
But honestly, if you look at a lot of their marketing, it's these happy little bald kids. Right. Which is, we want happy little bald kids who are having to go through this because we want, we don't want to, to see the horror. But the problem is, that's not the reality. That's not the reality. The reality is them getting stabbed with a giant needle once every you know, right. 30 days, injecting poison into their body that hurts and is painful and is crying and tears. And parents that are, you know, beside themselves with grief, having to muster up the smallest amount of courage to stay strong for the children. That's the reality. And it's it's even beyond that. I mean, even beyond just the inner turmoil of your child being sick and there's nothing that you can do, life does not stop. Your bills no. continue to come. I mean, if it was not for the fact that we had a secondary insurance on Aria, we would probably not have a home. Yeah. I mean, the the cost of this, of treatments is outrageous, and there's just not enough research, there's not enough funding, there's not enough support, there's just not enough. It's just not enough. And So that if I were to ask you now that we're an hour into this, what is important to you? I think healthcare. that yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. Changing the, the 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 way that we as a society, you know, uh, help those who are in the you know the the the, 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 the need the most. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it, especially with childhood cancer, because the fact that it is it is it is one of the least funded cancers out there you know there's a lot of organizations that help other types of cancer which are good we want those we need those but i think my kind of going back to my original question is why do you think society turns away from the truth of childhood cancer they don't want to see it they don't want to see it because if they see it then they might feel compelled to actually do something about it and that might hurt that might hurt your pocketbook yeah. That might hurt you. Because nobody wants to see a child hurt. I mean, you, yeah, you, we, we can go to movies and see people get shot up and kicked out in adults and all day long, but a child or an animal gets hurt and we get outraged, you know, because right. it, because you're talking about innocence there. You're talking about exactly. this, you know, where, where you know, where, where there's a being that did not deserve this in any way, shape, or form. And I didn't even deserve because nobody deserves to have cancer. But especially children, you're like, right. That, that just should not be like there's some things in life that should just not be in a childhood a child dying of cancer is one of those things that just should not be right and if you turn a blind eye and you don't see it then you don't feel compelled to do anything about it and right. that's wrong do you think that we as a society owe it to our children to fix it to make absolutely it better? yeah absolutely and uh, the nothing infuriates me more than people like i guess one of the most passionate topics that i could probably talk about is the healthcare system because it is seriously flawed seriously flawed and i saw a post one time that said you know that there shouldn't like Single-payer health care is ridiculous, and we shouldn't have to pay for other people's sicknesses because they do it to themselves. Oh, like because, nutrition or whatever. Right, because they don't take care of themselves. People are overweight. People are lazy. People are whatever. And it infuriates me because I'm like, what did my four-year-old do to deserve this? 
She didn't do anything wrong. I was a good parent. I was a good mother. I was attentive to her. I watched her. I cared for her. I read to her. I breastfed. I did all the things. Took her to every appointment that was necessary. I did all the things that a mother is supposed to do. And it still happened. And so for people to be so cruel and say, well, people do this to themselves. Well, I just, I... Well, I, I want to say mean gonna, things right. because well, we get it goes goes back to the whole you don't want to acknowledge it. You want yeah. you want you want you, it's like it's a lot easier if I can just place the blame on somebody else right. for not doing their part. When in reality, the picture is so much bigger than that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are people who are genuine, genuinely sick, children or otherwise, who you're right did everything right had all the proper nutrition had all the proper immunizations and went to the doctor's visits they you know they exercised and did all these things but yet you're right cancer does not discriminate no and and and, and, and the, the the cost associated with taking care of those things right. is astronomical astronomical and um, you know, so there definitely needs to be some sort of um, change, and and I guess you know, uh, let, let's kind of take the government off. Let's just take the government off the list, okay? Because we can't ask till we're blue in the face for some sort of help right. from the government for healthcare costs. What can every everyday people do? You know, just to 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 take some of the burden off of parents like yourself who may not have a second insurance. So you're right. You're very fortunate to be able to have that. But you could just as easily not have that and had to now, you're right, be struggling to even have a roof over your head because you're still paying off thousands upon thousands millions. of dollars. Millions. Millions. Yeah. Well, after all was said and done, give me a ballpark amount uh, they, to the best of your knowledge of how much her treatment would have cost you out of pocket oh i would say we probably would have been at least two million dollars in two i i would million. guess talking, that's like my lottery ex-husband money. could probably give you a little bit of better idea because he was the one who received all of the like statements right um because the insurance was through him um but i know that he would every now and then be like this particular treatment was three hundred thousand dollars just one particular treatment each chemo session which we had you know like i said probably 50 is you know four thousand dollars per per chemo so what do people do who don't have insurance what do people do who don't i mean cancer does not discriminate it becomes the bridge of the poor You, you go bankrupt you do things unimaginable because it's either do it or die And the fact that we live in a country where it's, you have to choose, and I know we're getting off the government subject, but you have to choose between doing things unimaginable or death. There's something wrong with that. Well, let's, okay, let's kind of, guess we can talk about that a little bit before we kind of go on the story. So so what are some things that that, that, that we as a general society can do to help? Okay, on on like a bigger scheme of things that you could do is donate to places like St. Jude. Do your part to donate financially on just the minimal scale. Like, it's easy to send... 20 bucks to St. Jude. If everybody did that in the world, I mean, they would have a lot more money or any other cancer research research funding, like legitimate ones. I mean, obviously you'd want to do your research. St. Jude is obviously a a good, a good place. But beyond that, um, the simplest thing is, and what helped us was we had 
other cancer families, which it shouldn't just be cancer families that do this, but they would, they gave us like gift cards mm. so that we could eat because you when you stay in the hospital, the hospital will provide food for the child, but there's a parent that has to stay with the child that has to eat too. Right. And the hospital does not provide food, no. even with insurance, no food for the parents. So you're pretty much, if you're staying there, you're on your own. You're on your own. You either buy. And you aren't going to take food. the food away from your child, obviously. Right, exactly. <laughs> right. And so, they would just donate like gift cards for food, or for like Target, so that we could get you know basic necessities, like just give something. Family, like there were some families that gave us like cash donations of money to just be able to provide the day-to-day expenses. How would one? That come. How how would one find out where to go? Will they go like to a local hospital, or Probably, I, I know there is a, a large social network of people like foundations through um, families who have fought it, like Baby J's Legacy, Team Blake. There are lots of those. Um, those sort of foundations set up that could probably offer information or you could donate to them because they are the ones that literally knock on your door and say, here, we want you to be able to have this. Mm. They they are the ones that support other cancer families because it's like once you're in, it's the, you know, that club again. Right. Once you're in, you're, you're in. <laughs> right. But it's... I, I don't know. Right, it's a club that nobody wants to join. But once you're in, there's like a family. You can't there. get out, and it. But yeah. it's it's love, and you know we're all there to support each other, and do what we can. Have you? I know we're kind of jumping all around, but I, I mean, it's okay because I, we, there's still a second part of the chapter we haven't got into yet, so we can kind of we're at a, a a middle place here, where we can just ask various questions. Um, you said that there was a, a another mom. Or who took you out for coffee, mm-hmm. right? And have you had that experience with anybody else, you know, like somebody else maybe who's going to – and it, where is, was where you were? I uh, have not yet, but I, I would love to be that person for somebody. Yeah, and the way you're doing that now. Right. You know, there could be someone listening right now who's having to – going through a similar circumstance. They may have just gotten word just now that, that their child has you I, know, was diagnosed and, and they don't know what how to do. I guess I kind of – I kind of put myself out there. Um, I, I was on Facebook, and I saw another mother whose child was – diagnosed with the same cancer and she was also put on hospice at the end um, which we haven't got to yet but um, she had put that they were on hospice and I reached out to her and I said I know you don't know me but I you know lost my daughter and I am here for you if you want to talk because she lives in another state so I wouldn't have a way to like reach her but I was like I you know absolutely we can we can talk, and I tried, you know, and she did talk to me, and wow, um, you know, it's it's just a, it, it's it's hard because I don't know, you you want to you want to do it all, but you know, I I still have 
you know, my own things tying me down. I mean, if, if I could have a dream job, I would be out there well, the just providing that. Well, the thing is, the thing is now that you have this experience, and, 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 and God may open up those doors for you, too. Right. I mean, obviously, you have a little one who's now sleeping on your on your, on your shoulder, and you have, uh, you know, uh, you, you have a full-time job, and then you have a family and your husband and what have you. But that's not to say that, I mean, this is never going away. No. This is something you're going to carry with you for the rest of your life. Forever. And that that very well could very you know be you know um, I, I don't I, I don't I, I'm very always hesitant to say that there's a cause and effect to everything I don't necessarily believe that but I believe that there's always like in other words like like the, the, a lot of Christians talk about there's a purpose I got it got it's a hidden purpose for everything I don't necessarily think that's true as much as I think that life just happens to us all. Mm-hmm. And that we all have to learn how to adapt and cope and do the best we can with what we're given. Right. Uh, and I think that what that means is basically we choose to make the best out of whatever situation that we're given. Um, and I think that that is what develops our experiences and that's what develops our wisdom you know the Bible talks about you know how wisdom is far more precious than jewels because once and really you only get wisdom through life experiences right. and and so therefore once you've gained that wisdom it, it's like riding a bike right it just never goes away mm-hmm. and you know I, I would say that the Jessica now is the way that she's different than what she was even 10 years ago is now you have basically a full life experience in your own your daughter's life to be able to help others whenever that need arises. Right. You know, because again, this unfortunately is never going away. I wish we could all just wave a magic wand and say no more cancer and it's all gone. But the truth is the likelihood is even it's just going to get worse because of all the different things and blah, blah, blah. Okay, so let's kind of then go now. Let's just kind of go on to the second chapter. To the, the you know the the the, the 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 we're out of the eye of the hurricane, right? Everything was all clear. Now, however, the, the winds have shifted, and we're about to endure the second part of the storm. Um, so you're sitting in the office by yourself and they said how are you come on you know uh you know we want to take you away we're gonna go play a little bit and you at that point knew now that they had removed aria to go play you're about to have a a discussion that's going to change the rest of your life again right so she told you that the cancer has come back 50 50 chance when you go pick up aria man i gotta imagine the night after that meeting, containing yourself had to have been very difficult because all of a sudden she knows that she's better. She's had nine months now right. of freedom. Her hair is growing out. She's going back to school. There's been celebration. You know, the, the, the port is out. Yeah. I, I almost think that would be a, harder to tell her baby you're right. sick again. And, yeah. and, and this this time it's gonna be even more of a fight right well uh, <laughs> and maybe I don't maybe I again maybe I'm just kind of weird because I, I I equate a lot of things with discussion right and so 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 maybe that's not how it happened I, I'm just... I, I think I, I did tell her that the cancer was back but I you know we try not to make this a pity party or a sad yeah. sadness this is just life. Uh, this is life. I mean, it was just. And she obviously. This is what we got to do. How old was she at the, at the time of re-diagnosis? Five. So she was five. 
she was five. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's hard for me when I look back, you know, uh, people are probably tired of me interrupting you, but I, when okay. I look back, I, yes, she was five in age, but man, she seemed so much older. <laughs> she was so smart and just so mature for her age. I think, yeah, I think the fact that she spent a lot of time around adults, doctors, nurses, my grandma, me, you know, just a, a lot of time isolated from children. It kind of forced her into a maturity that was a little before her time because, I mean, that's who she was around. Do you think that helped or hindered? I didn't really have a part to play at all. Um, I think it helped. I think yeah. it helped with her being able to be so strong through all of her treatments right. because, I mean, a little bit of her isolation as unfair as it was is she didn't know a lot of the things that she was missing out on i mean she she didn't really have much of a choice to miss out on them and because she didn't know about them it made it a little bit easier right okay so you always have to tell your husband now you know and then also tell your ex-husband chris or aria's father yep uh how did that go tears yeah tears yeah tears imagine (laughs) it was a lot of tears i don't even remember who i told first or how i don't that was kind of a it's kind of a daze looking back at that because it was just such an emotional thing of well this is what we're doing it's back i mean i remember having a conversation with my mom because my mom through the whole thing was very supportive and very much i need to know what's going on so every time there was an appointment she's like tell me tell me call me immediately after let me know and i remember having a conversation with her where i was like you know it's back and and i'm on the phone so i can't see i imagine she probably cried but you know she's like okay we're gonna we're gonna do this. But I think that's the whole thing that was that was kind of the culture of your family too, is that that was always that mode, like there was never a give up. There right. was always a okay. I mean, this obviously is awful. This is the last thing we want to hear right now. But you're right, we're not facing a choice here. So you know, and, so and it's not a callousness either. It was just it was the the love factor is motivated, right? Because you're the it's like. Anytime you're faced with an obstacle that can overwhelm you and you choose to overwhelm it, you just have an already automatic feeling of accomplishment. Like right. it's going to happen. Like we, we, we will fight until there is no fight left. Right. Um, not to say it's going to be easier. By no means. In fact, I'm expecting it to be difficult. But if it wasn't difficult, it wouldn't be worth fighting for. Right. Um, Okay, so now was there a plan set forth? Cause like the last time, there seemed to be like a roadmap. This is what we're going to do for nine months. Uh, yeah. Was that the same kind of situation? Yes, very, very similar, much more difficult. The first time that she did chemo, it was mostly outpatient chemo, where we would go into the doctor's office, they would administer the chemo, and then they would send us home. And it was. She had to have a port put back in, I presume? Yes, after she was rediagnosed. She had to have another surgery because remember, there was something in her lung. So we went in. She went down for her second surgery where the doctor went in to remove the cancer from that portion of her lung. Was it a tumor? It was. It was a. It was. A substance? 
He called it like he said it was a very strange looking tumor in that it was almost falling off of her lung. So it was like um, we were very confused about it because it was it it was almost I don't know almost like it was already already dying wow. and so we were like we're, we're really confused but they took it out and put the port back in and then we start again you know back to the 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 everything and and that was hard that was really hard because the first time you know we kind of had an idea of what to expect but we didn't we didn't like we knew the procedures but we didn't know how it was going to affect our lives we didn't know how it was going to affect her we didn't know how you know and at that point she was also sort of blind to what was coming up but now that it was back she knew right she knew what she was going to have to go through and she knew what some of the things now that she was going to be missing out on because she got to go to school. Right. I was in kindergarten. She's in kindergarten at this point, right? And she had to be pulled out of kindergarten. She had to be homeschooled. Um, her kindergarten teacher actually volunteered to come and homeschool her a few nights a week. And she was amazing. And I'm (laughs) utterly grateful for her. But this time around, it was... Until we really got into it, it was it was hard because <laughs> one of the one of the worst moments for, as a mother at the time anyway was we went out. Um, she had started her chemo again. We went out. We were at the bowling alley actually, and she was sitting there at the at the table and. I went off to do something and I came back and there was a pile of hair on the floor next to her chair at the bowling alley, at the bowling alley. And she had been sitting at the table, running her fingers through her hair and it was just falling out. It wasn't very long at the time, maybe like three inches long. Um, but it was all over the floor and I was like, Oh no, because the first time when she went through it, we shaved her head right away. Right pretty pretty early on before her hair actually started to fall out because we knew it was going to fall out and we right. we were just being proactive plus I shaved my head and mm-hmm. her dad and her brother and my husband and um several people you know mm-hmm. even women my boss they all shaved their heads um in support right and this time we were just going to like see if you know what would happen if we just didn't shave it right, right away and she had a big bald spot on the back of her head. And I said, baby girl, I think it's time for us to shave your head. And she was like, no. And we got in the car and we're driving back to the house. And I was like, I was like, baby girl, are you ready to shave your head? And I try to make it look. How do you do that? I mean, I, I don't, I, I can't even imagine that because th- it's not just about shaving the head. It's what shaving the head represents. Right. Like we're representing jumping back into this chemotherapy pool. Right. Where all 
of the memories and all of the pain and all of the suffering and all of the sickness and all these things. That's that's really what it represents. And it's like, and she knows that. I mean, goes probably to her at the same time. She probably wouldn't even think about all that. Just the heartbreak right. of having losing her hair that yeah. she had been missing on for so long. And that had to have been. You're absolutely right. Heart wrenching. It was, it was one of my worst tearful moments because she says she says I don't want to shave my head because then I'm going to be ugly again and I in the front seat of the car I just broke down and I was just bawling and I was glad she couldn't really see me because I didn't want to cry in front of her but it like ripped my heart out and I was like baby you're not going to be ugly It's you're going to be fine and she's like I don't want to do it I don't want to lose my hair and I was like I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to make it better. And then she says, I'm only going to do it if Daddy and Aiden and CJ will shave their heads. Right. And I said, okay, right. done. And I called her dad immediately, and I said, you want your head shaved tonight? Because um, Aria says she's only shaving her head if you'll do it with her. And he was like, absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. And so we went over there that night, and she shaved her dad's head and her brother's head. And then when CJ got home, she shaved his head, and then we shaved her head. And she, that was like she needed some some physical support in that way. Right. But I think that it was probably good because she, you know, she went to the three quote unquote men of her life the people that were you know the the, the the you know not not only did she have you but you're right she had the you know her brother and you know her stepdad and her dad there just to be that pillar of strength for her as well like hey right. we, we're all doing this as a family like you may be suffering cancer but we are all suffering cancer right you know when we are all participants in this you know difficult time that we're going through yeah. Um, no, yeah. That was, that was a definitely a hard, a hard moment. But, you know, we we got through it. We did what we had to do. And I was fully prepared. If she asked me to shave my head, I was going to do it too. Even though I was like, I don't really want to shave my right. head again because because <laughs> right. I was actually we were getting married. Um, right. And so I was like, I want to grow my hair out for the wedding. But I was like, whatever. I'll be a bald bald bride. Mm-hmm. I don't mind if I have to. Sure. She asks me to do it. I'm doing it. But she never did ask me. And so I was like, okay, right. I'm like I, I'll be there for you. Whatever I got to do for you, baby girl. That's true. Now, I know that you guys had done the... Um, it was around this time that the Make-A-Wish trip was about to happen. Yes. If I remember correctly. Because I remember um, Yep. that there was questions. like Because during the, during the eye of the hurricane when everything was clear, you know, quote unquote. Because the idea was that she got to take this trip to Disneyland or Disney yes. World because that was their make-a-wish was to go and meet Disney or meet Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse, Minnie, <laughs> Mouse right that, that was that was the thing she wanted to do you know and and that you guys could not wait to be able to give this to her yes. but at the same time you, you know you wanted her to be able to enjoy it as much as possible and especially when she's immune, immune compromised you would have taken her but especially when you got the all clear that that was the time that we could start planning this and making this a reality. Right. Um, but the cancer came back before you guys even had an opportunity to go on the trip. Is that right? Yes. Yes. It came back in March and the trip was planned for May. Right. So after the surgery, she had one chemo 
before we were able to actually go on the trip. And, you know, at the time, I remember I remember her dad saying to me, should we be taking this trip? Are we taking a trip from a child who, you know, really could actually use this trip? Because Ari is wow. going to be fine. We had that we had that conversation where he was like, I feel guilty taking this trip because Aria she's gonna she's gonna beat cancer and, and this is for life threatening illnesses and Aria's gonna be just fine. And I was like, Well, I think, you know, our doctor recommended it, so I mean we should do it, you know, but we felt we felt a little guilty yeah. because we were it, certain yeah. we were certain we that already she beat was, it once was to say that we can't do that, it again. Well, it was planned when right. she had beaten it. Right. She was cancer free when we planned it, right. and then it came back, and I was like, "Well, I'm really glad we're taking this trip, you know, because this is this is going to be good for Aria, and it's good for her brother too and her sister because they too were going. They need a little bit of a they were going vacation, through this too, right? right. And so we did take the trip, and it was wonderful. It was. Let's let's a go wonderful and talk about trip. the places. I we can. I, I want to take a little bit of time because the, I want you to talk about the place that you stayed there. I'd like to give them a little bit of credit as well. Oh, they because need so much. Credit. I've not heard anything but raving wonderful things from you and her father, Arya's dad, Chris, about this place and about how they just took so much good care of you guys. How it was even better than a resort. It was like. You know, when she when Ari was there, almost like she was a celebrity. That yeah. she was take, being taken care of so well. It was. It's called Give Kids the World, and it's in Florida. Um, and they were the most kind and generous and wonderful people in every way. But they basically they they give us a little house to stay in. Um, in their village it's it's like a village with a bunch of little houses and you know it has like a pool down the street and you know a place where you go to eat and they have even have like a little theme park and a movie theater and wow. they have a carousel and and you can only get there if because if you if you are part of the make-a-wish yes. foundation right? yes there's only families in there that are going through the make-a-wish wow. program and it was so accommodating um they they basically just took care of us for everything all of our meals were taken care of they had like they have like a little almost like restaurant but they have volunteers that go in there they carry your food for you you know they're there to assist you through everything um think about that i mean i, I picture myself working in an establishment like that and it, it's almost like a two-sided coin because i think it'd been one way just the feel good of knowing you're going to bed every single night that you mean the work that you did meant so much to the families that you are taking care of but on the other side of that coin knowing again the reason why those families are there right. is because their children are going through possibly you know uh, life endangering endangerment you know diseases and 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 and, and, and all sorts of other circumstances, you know, div where they may be on vacation, but the the cancer doesn't go on vacation. Right. You know, the 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 the, the tumors don't go on vacation. You know, all these other things that they're going through. Um, but you're right. I, I remember hearing about that trip, and I remember being, you know, just so happy to hear that Arya had such a good time. You she know, loved it. yeah, she loved the swimming pool. That was her favorite thing, and we could go swimming anytime. Like. First thing in the morning, right before right. bed, middle of the day. 
Um, we could go at any point. That's one thing her and my daughter definitely had in common was water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, like I see Iceland is, 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 is all about the water. And I remember Ari being exactly the same way where that this is, it's like almost like the, the cares of the world are gone if I, as long as I'm swimming mm-hmm. and you being able to, I never forget when I was growing up, my, it was, it shows my age a little bit, but I remember my little brother's reaction when he, we went to stay at my grandpa. We didn't have cable when I was growing up in my house but we would go stay with my grandpa who had a lake house in Texas and who had cable in which that was the beginning of the cartoon network and I never forget my brother when my grandpa told him that there's 24 hour cartoons and then my brother was like what I can watch cartoons anytime I want and in the All morning day? I don't have to just wait for Saturday morning and I can watch your cartoons and that's kind of how I see like oh you'd be like I can go swimming anytime I want I can yeah you know I, I can I, I can you know that's just really really cool to think about it's actually funny because you know we had this whole trip planned where we stay we stay in the in the village and then we got to go to um, Disney World and we got to go to uh, Universal Studios and you know they they provided us the opportunity to go do all these things and we were at Disney World and she's like I don't want to be here I want to just go back and go wow. swimming how about that did you ever tell them that that they were like hey she'd much rather be here than yeah oh yeah World. they they were like well she wants to go swimming take her swimming I mean and it was it was a lot like it was almost torture having to take her to those places where you think that she would be the happiest kid in the right. world but all she wanted to do was go swimming like she oh. just wanted to to be in the pool and she didn't care about anything else right she i mean she liked meeting the characters how but. was her was was her um you said she had had one one dose of, she had, had the surgery and then chemo one dose of chemotherapy i don't know what the proper term is one, one cycle or, yeah uh, how, was she able to still enjoy the trip? I mean, you know, I, yes. I know another thing I, I know always knows about Aria is that you you can never really tell from the outside perspective if how she was feeling because she was always such a fighter. But I know you as a mom, you could always tell when she was not feeling good or feeling well. Yeah. And during that time when she was at this the, on this trip, how was she feeling? She was like a normal kid. Wow. She was so happy. The only the only indication other than her bald head that she even had anything wrong with her was that she would get tired. We right. had to take her in a wagon through like Disney World and stuff because she could Which is not uncommon anyway. I've been to Disney World. I mean people car their kids around in strollers right. all day, whatever. And, yeah. That was yeah. that was the only thing is she would get tired. But other than that, she was so happy and that trip like really made her like a normal kid for I mean, wow. just a week, but a week's worth of a normal kid at that point was priceless. Right. No question. Mm-hmm. What is it something that, that you're going to remember for the rest of your life that she obviously, you know, I think that's part of the, the, the idea of make a wish is not to just give a kid, you know, or in most circumstances, give a child an experience or fun, but it's really about creating a memory that that child can remember, even when they're going through the chemotherapy or they're in the hospital. It's a bright spot. Right. It's like, it's it's like a happy memory that they can remember. The Bible talks about if there be any praise, if there be any virtue, think on these things. And when you're going through the depths of cancer treatment specifically, uh, it's hard to 
think of anything positive right. because of, because it is painful because it is draining because it is hard to see your mom and dad you know who are trying to be strong for you but they have their moments you know so it's like it's also exhausting and so you're right so these 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 trips mean so much more than just the trips themselves they are a place that the child can go back to to remember and not just the child i mean the, right, the right, whole right, the family, family right. can can look back on i mean that's like a memory that do you ever do you ever do that do you ever like look back at the pictures and mm-hmm. just in videos or whatever and just kind of be like man that was such a good time that absolutely was. yeah yeah there was there was a, a there's some pictures of me in the bathtub with her because they had a humongous bathtub and you know we're used to just our little dinky bathtub at home right and it um we filled it with bubble bath and it was so full you couldn't even see both of us like it was just our faces (laughs) sticking out so we had her sister take a picture of us in the bathtub because you couldn't even right it's all bubbles bubbles and faces (laughs) so good as you can see uh it's not always easy to talk about in fact it's only going to get more difficult but at the at the same time and even like you heard me mention the fact that Aria, as she was going through this this terrible battle, it's like she just continued to find new ways just to be a light in her family's life and in Jessica's life. And it's like, all right, if she can fight this, if she can do this, if if, if this five year old little girl, six year old little girl, can overtake this monster in her body and still be able to enjoy life, have a smile on her face, then we can do this together. And it's just like, you know, that it's just that we always we called her our little pink warrior, and because she truly was a warrior. I mean, it was like, and warriors inspire people, right? Well, you remember that movie Braveheart, where Mel Gibson was up there and he. Well, you know, had his face paint on, and he was leading the the army, you know, to go and fight this incredible battle with, you know, odds that was completely against them. But they're like, you know what, we can win, you know, we will freedom, you know, all of that, right? And that's the same way. It's like Ari every single day. She was fighting. She was almost like more uh, inspiring than Mel Gibson was in that movie. It's like freedom. We're gonna face and we're gonna fight freedom. And even when things just continue to get more tough, I mean, yes. In this in this episode, we talked about how they went from thinking everything was all clear to the second diagnosis, and we talked a little bit about you know the Make a Wish uh, experience, which again was called Kids Give Give Kids the World. Check it online, donate to them, find a way to be a blessing to them because I tell you, there's family for for every family like Jessica, there's a hundred you know hundreds of more that are just being blessed and uh, by this by this by this group and I can't wait if next time I'm in Central Florida I, I don't think you can go visit but I definitely want to find a way to to support them and just to give them just a credit because they really were impactful in my my friends lives and when they were going through the darkest days that they just just really was a shining light and a shining place all right guys well that is it for today however this this is not the end we're going to continue to our discussion uh, with Jessica and and there's so much, much more to say. So make sure you stay tuned. Uh, subscribe if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode. This is lifepod.com. Shoot me an email. This is lifepod at gmail.com. And other than that, guys, have a wonderful, blessed day. Until next time, God bless you guys. Aloha and mahalo.